Coming to you from our living rooms, it's the Region 20 Tops to Teens podcast. I'm Sam Gonzalez. And I'm Sarah Ford. And we're here to share with you some really inspiring things that we're seeing the Region 20 teachers are creating um, through their distance learning during COVID-19. So we'll be highlighting some of the really innovative practices that teachers are using to connect with their students virtually. It's going to be an awesome journey with fun conversations to keep you up to date in current practices of instructional continuity. That's right, Sarah, it's gonna be an awesome journey. And we hope that you continue to listen weekly as you travel through special education pathways with an early to exit mentality. So let's get going. Good morning, welcome to another episode of the Tots to Teens podcast. Um, how are you doing, Sam? This is Sarah, just checking in on you real quick. Well, Sarah, I'm glad it's you. Your voice sounds the same, so I hope you're doing well. So <laughs> everything is good for me and my end. You know, just here again, looking forward to um, highlighting some new teachers. So what are we talking, who are we talking about today? Hey, today's podcast, we're going to be highlighting Michelle Hayes. She is a Northside um, School District teacher, um, early childhood special ed teacher, who's doing some really fantastic things to connect with her kids. And we also have another guest today, Lisa Kirby. So Lisa, welcome. Thanks so much, Sam and Sarah, for inviting me. Uh, my name is... Uh, Lisa Kirby, and I also work at Region 20 as a statewide special education liaison, and I'm just happy to be part of the interviewing team today. Awesome. Well, glad to have you here, Lisa. So today, if you haven't seen, and hopefully you get the link, is some awesome stuff that Michelle's been doing at Northside with her YouTube videos. And so, Michelle, just tell us a little bit how COVID's affected you, you know, uh, also as a parent, but as an educator, and what kind of gave you the idea for these YouTube videos? Well, um, I... COVID, it was such a surprise, you know, because we went for a spring break and then we had no idea we were not coming back. So it was kind of like a slow, I guess it was the same for everybody. We, we thought we'd be gone for one week and then one week turned into two and now it's turned into a, this is how we're going to close the school year. So it came well, like thought, a surprise. We thought we're still in spring break, right? I mean, he thought <laughs> yes. spring break was extended. That's how I, I thought. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought I'm just going to get a few more days extra. But as, it, as a few more days started turning into a week, um, my co-teacher and I thought, well, let's let's send stuff out to these kids. And that was before they were telling us to, um, to actually produce work for the children. Um, we just wanted to do it because we, we teach little kids and we don't want them to feel so disoriented. This is a really abstract thing for them to grasp onto. So it started with me just sitting on my couch um, in my house and I said to the kids, you know, let's do, let's do our greeting time together like this. And I was just starting to talk to the camera. And I've always had like a vlog on YouTube. So I'm comfortable talking to the camera. So I thought, well, you know what, I'm just gonna make something for the kids. So I did it real quick. Like, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do a greeting time. And then I sent them a link to like our typical routine songs and everything that we do. And then um, as a few more days started to expand our COVID, um, you know, having to be home. Uh, my husband was working out in the deck and we were talking about shapes that week in school and uh, my husband was making uh, kind of like a strange kind of shape on the deck and the frames were all exposed on my deck and I thought you know what I see squares I see rectangles let me just quickly get out here and videotape this for the kids because they're supposed to be doing shape hunts at home so I'm going to show them 
what my house looks like, what it looks like when my husband's working with the drill. Kids love to see construction things. So I got out there real quick and I was like, okay, guys, look, I see a triangle and I see a square. And I just added more like um, superimposed shapes on top of like the natural shapes so that it would stand out for the kids. And then I thought, you know what? I really like this. I'm going to make this a weekly thing. And then it just took off. Well, I've been really excited to watch several of them. I've seen you've gone from things all the way from bugs in the backyard, shapes in the backyard to making a salad in your kitchen. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about um, what some of the, the videos are and um, maybe how, how that emerged and where you're moving forward with it. Well, and also as an ask real quick, are the podcasts, are they um, exclusively for your Northside students or is this something anybody can log on to YouTube and see your videos and see your lessons? Um, yeah, anybody can see my lessons. I have, I have the same channel repeated twice. So I have my own personal channel and then I have the North side channel and I'm just uploading to both. So it's the exact same thing, the exact same pictures, everything's the same, but, um, just to keep it accessible, I've created my own personal one too. Okay. So that it could be reached through anybody. And how do, how do we find that? Um, it's, I can send you the link because, um, I haven't memorized it, but they gave, it's like forward slash and a bunch of numbers and dashes okay. and things like that. They don't allow me to pick my own YouTube name uh, until I have like a whole bunch of subscribers, I guess, because YouTube's yeah. gotten so well, popular. You're like my son. You're trying to get paid by YouTube. So my son has all these things <laughs> about trying to make money on YouTube. So you have to work hard awesome. for that. It's a, it's a full-time <laughs> job to do that. It's not easy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of, so we're following to, to go back to how, how we are organizing the content for Sarah. Um, I'm following the Northside timeline. So when we start the school year, they give us this timeline, um, which kind of guides us through the themes and the concepts that we're supposed to teach in the school year. So we're keeping the timeline. And so that's why if you see my YouTube channel, you'll see that there's a, like, there'll be a series of three to five videos on a specific topic. So like this week we've been working on plants. And so the whole topic is plants. So uh, this week's videos that I've made uh, have to do with like cutting fruit open and exploring the seeds, or I was in my yard and I transplanted a plant and we we're looking at the roots and all the different parts of the plant. And then I did like a tour and I feel like my students um, want to stay connected with me. So I try to keep it real personal. So I show them all the things I have around my house. I mean, to them, this is really cool. When I'm in a zoom meeting with them, they want to show me their things. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just think that this is an area of interest to them. So I make sure that I include my dog. I show them like the plants and stuff uh, in my house. Isn't really um, organized or clean. Like I show them this week, a, like, this really ugly bush that's just growing chili peppers and it's embarrassing it's in a little spot of my house that's just not upkept or anything but i'm like well that's that's my house and i'm going to show it for the kids and uh yeah so that's we're following that timeline which is a lifesaver for me because then all i have to do is think about the theme and then the ideas start to come the theme and the concept so michelle that's what i really uh like what you've been talking about is you're sticking with the standards and everything that you're supposed to be teaching at school but you're making it fun so a little bit more about the process that you go through for each one so your process is you look at your timeline and mm -hmm. then do you just start walking through your house and saying what can i show or do to interest the kids on on what's uh, what our standards are that we're working on this week it's been changing. So like when I first started, 
I, I mean, I find making this stuff because I had a, a career in media and, um, and I had a career change towards education um, years later. And so at the beginning of all of this, I would be in my bed trying to fall asleep and then ideas would just pop up because I find this so energizing to reconnect with, you know, communication in this manner. But, um, but what I really think it's evolved into now that I'm doing more and more and practicing more and more, it, uh, the thing that I find really valuable is we're doing PLC meetings, which is professional learning communities. And um, we are meeting, I'm meeting with my co-teacher and I'm also meeting with other teachers um, that teach the same thing. And this is just something we're doing on our own because we like each other and we like to hang out. And because it saves a lot of work when we have like five, six heads put together. And so in our PLC meetings, uh, we discuss the themes and we start throwing out ideas and, and it just happens that one person is strong at uh, creating content for um, you know, hands-on activities and somebody else is uh, really good at coming up with you know, making sure that it's aligned and somebody else knows you know, exactly what the timeline is because they've got it in their head. And so I'm like the video contributor. <laughs> and so as we're chatting and we're just throwing ideas out discussing the plan um, I've, I'm focused on what can I make for the kids and what do you guys want to see and so we get a really rough idea we put it in the lesson plan and then my job is to just kind of make a script and and then I look around what I have available and if I don't have it I try to get it like this last week I, I recorded you know cutting fruit so I went to the <laughs> grocery store and I got all the fruit that I think has interesting looking seeds or is visually appealing and that's kind of the process that I went through. Have you seen Michelle, the jackfruit? Michelle, I, I know that, uh, like your videos, I've watched some of them too. They're extraordinary. Uh, but what I would like to know is you said you had a media background, but let's say for someone like me who doesn't have a media background or another teacher listening to this, uh, your expressions and everything on your videos really engage the kids uh, what tips would you give teachers who are new to creating videos uh, to help engage kids? Whole bunch of tips. <laughs> well, first off, um, it's just a recording. So don't freak out. You can always delete it and do it again, you know, and actually I encourage people to do it. Do it one time, do a part of it and then watch yourself back. You're gonna, you're gonna find out that your voice tone was wrong, that you looked unanimated, or you know, you're gonna find things to correct about yourself. Um, and so I, that's what I like to, I like people to know, hey, it's a recording. Just because you did it and it came out wrong doesn't mean there's no undo. It's your own camera, you've got your delete button, just do it and do it again, because you're gonna be your own feedback. And um, another um, tip that I have to keep it animated is I always think, um, and this is very, very important to me, I always try to picture a few students who have that interest. So I'm making a video and I'm thinking about, you know, if I know that I'm talking about dinosaurs, I've got my kid in my mind and I'm not talking to the camera, I'm talking to that student. So. Yeah. I'm thinking about that child's interest. I'm imagining his expression, his reaction with me. And, you know, as I change topics, I have different students in mind because they're all different. And so I always talk at specific kids without directing 
and without being specific about their name or their gender or anything like that, because that would lock my content up. And that, that means I wouldn't be able to reuse it later on. And I do intend to reuse it as needed. And um, another thing that is super important to keep it animated is eye contact. And so there's no eye. And this is the thing that drives me nuts that people do. And, um, and they don't realize that they, when they talk to the camera, they keep staring at their, at their screen. So say it's a phone, they're looking at their own you know, video. But you gotta look at your you gotta look at your camera's eye. So there's a little spot where your camera is, that's where you look. Because if you're not looking there, you're not making eye contact. You're looking down, you're looking in a different direction. And it seems minor, but it's major. So um, that's another way to keep it animated. Another thing is vocal tone. You know, make sure you sound energ energetic, excited, smile. A smile shows in audio. You know, if you're not smiling, you can hear that. Um, you, you just really gotta be excited and pumped and, and you gotta show it. And so go big or go home, I think. <laughs> Those are great tips. Well, and I think that's great advice, not just for early childhood special educators, but for every educator, if they're looking at making any kind of videos like this, because with, um, ECSE, we know we have to keep it very animated, but I think that trans transcends all, uh, kiddos in all education so yes great tips there thank you and also one more thing uh, that i think educators need to keep in mind we tend to go really long and really detailed mm -hmm. but in the world of um, media things got to be kept short we've got a lot of competition people are just going to click away so start with action explain it later um, keep it short keep it simple you can always add more information in future content or in your information bar or whatever, but keep it short. Oh my goodness, Michelle. I'm so happy you said that because as we're all out there experiencing this, we all want it short. But I noticed in your videos, I don't think there was one video that I, uh, that I went to see online that was more than you know five minutes. Most of them were short, but it was packed full of information. So excellent tip, excellent tip. Thank you. I do like that. I really liked how you talked about picturing the students because as teachers, you know your students, you kind of know how the reactions are anyways. I think that kind of helps you kind of bring that, your personality into the video. Um, that was awesome. What has been some feedback from your kids? Have the kids reacted to your videos? Have they, have they talked to you through an email or how, what's the, the kids' reactions? Oh yeah, it's, um, they, they, we, we are on a platform called Seesaw. So a lot of teachers are on Google Classroom. We're using Seesaw because our kids are tiny and Seesaw is much more intuitive and user-friendly for little ones. And so they leave us voice comments and so, um, now they've gotten used to my videos, so they are expecting them to come. Um, but like I just made a video where I faked, I'm gonna tell you the truth, I faked that it was my dog's birthday, that it was not my dog's birthday. Um, but I needed a counting video and my kids like my dog. So I had all sorts of like voice messages on Seesaw, you know, kids congratulating my dog for the birthday. And they, they keep leaving me like voice feedback where they're like, oh, I like, I like this, I like that. And, and so they're cute. And recently we just went over to their houses. So my co-teacher and I and some of our uh, instructional assistants put on our masks. We each got in our car and we made them little baggies of things uh, <clears throat> that they were going to use for activities for this week. 
And so as I started coming into the houses, I was just, I got a little conceited because I got a lot of feedback from the parents about how much they like my videos, that they sit around and then that they reshare the videos with their family members and stuff like that. So I also got feedback from mom and dad um, in person when we went to make those drop-offs. Awesome. That's awesome. Are you seeing some connections between families and parents being able to kind of use these videos as a springboard for the at-home learning that they're doing? Um, I, because I tie it to the lessons. I tie the, the videos to the lessons that we're teaching. Um, they're able to just use the video as uh, the, we're being trained to, to produce content that teaches. So there's got to be a teaching piece and there's got to be a practice piece in the assignments that we're giving out. So the videos that I have are like the teaching portion and they're usually linked to a re requested response from the students. So there's a video that I did about bug matching where I was matching bugs. That video was made deliberately to tie into an activity where students were going to do their own bug matching. So I created some content with the exact same bugs that I put on the video. Now they get to try it. And so they, they were the, the videos are made to be um, support for specific assignments that they're getting and and they're manipulating themselves. So I feel like that really kind of makes it more of an interactive experience for them rather than just staring at a screen. I, I kind of wanted to ask, um, one of the things that I've seen um, just through Facebook, through the news, through media, um, there's a Facebook page I follow with uh, COVID-19 teachers, it it's, has teachers from all over this, the nation in it, is the learning curve of parents learning some of the softwares. Like you mentioned Seesaw, is Seesaw something that the kids know or is that something the kids, you have to teach the kids how to use Seesaw and then maybe in a sense teach the parents also? Because I know we learned Zoom and I've seen all these, the new term is Zoom bombing that's come out, but I mean, you know, have you seen that interaction with working with the younger kids with them knowing Seesaw and the parents maybe not knowing or how that support is at home to, to interact with videos? Well, we're just, I mean, we just hit the jackpot because in my, in my classroom, my co-teacher wanted to make it her mission this year to keep the families very engaged through Seesaw. So that was already a high focus uh, for our classroom to start making activities and sending stuff out to the parents. So we had that, um, advantage that we had already trained the parents and taught the children to use Seesaw, but then now we have to use it as the main source of, you know, their education access. But I, I have had a lot of problems with parents not understanding how it works because there's a lot of stuff coming at them. I mean, my student in ECSE is just one. They've got, they've got kids in all sorts of grade levels. They're all using all different platforms and things are intense. There's just so many things to access. So um, I've created um, screencasts where I do guide the parents through the process. This is how you submit an assignment. This is where you find it. This is how you record. And so I include that as instruction for the parents um, with uh, a program called Screencastify, which is an extension to my Google Chrome. Yes. And, and that is how I help my parents. Um, I'm fortunate enough that I'm only working with Seesaw, but I know that teachers are juggling a whole bunch of other platforms and other grade levels. So it's just been, it's been nice for us to have that one platform. Michelle, I know as other teachers might be listening to this right now and they're hearing about you creating uh, videos for parents to show them how these videos that you've created for all your students. I know some of the teachers must be thinking, oh, Michelle can do that because she's probably at home all by herself <laughs> and she can do that. 
can you share with us, is this, is Michelle home all by herself or are you navigating uh, different things to make this happen? No, I am, I mean, it's really easy to have self-pity, but I know we're all in the same boat. I'm a parent and I have a five-year, I have a six-year-old son. He had a birthday during COVID. I have a six-year-old son and I have a 14-year-old daughter who is severely autistic, epileptic, and she has a metabolic condition, so she can't have regular food. So my, my daughter... Um, my son, because of his age, requires a lot of attention, but my daughter requires even much more attention because of all her special conditions. And um, <clears throat> she definitely has, you know, ADHD, so she's never still. She's always getting into something. And now with her being 14, she's getting into everything because she's just as tall as me. And so my husband and I call her the teenage toddler because <laughs> she's... <laughs> She's just, you know, grabbing whatever. And it's, it's scary because she'll go out into the garage, get the keys to the car and put them in the car, you know, and turn it on. Um, but she doesn't have the skills to move the car or um, she'll just get on her bike and start riding in the street. And but she, she rides an adapted bike and then she's got that metabolic condition. So she gets hungry all the time. She can't have protein. So I have to supplement with special food that I have to buy from a laboratory. So I have to plan months in advance for every meal that she has. And then every meal that she has, I have to cook it as it's time to, I can't just batch cook and keep it because it's very fragile and it falls apart. So anyway, she has this condition called PKU. So I am always cooking, cleaning, chasing, entertaining. And then the, their education um, is also, uh, uh, it's a big job because both my son and my daughter are in the special ed curriculum um, in the special ed program. And uh, they both are one-on-one -on -one, um, hand over hand assistants. So it takes me about four and a half to five hours every day to teach them their stuff and make sure they're um, where they should be with their daily work. And then I still have to do all my cooking and, you know, making sure my daughter doesn't like, set the house on fire. <laughs> and so what's happening is I'm waking up at seven or I'm, I'm getting up and at seven I start working. So I work in the early mornings, let the kids sleep in. And by 11, I'm out cooking lunch and getting everything ready, doing their school. And then in the evening, once everybody's settled, that's when I come back and do more work. So my days start early and end like at midnight. Well, that's awesome. That's, thank you for the insight of what it's like, you know, and, and I'm sure there's lots of, of parents that are in the same situation. So I, I like how you kind of broke down your day. Um, I know that works for you, but, I, you know, maybe someone listening can kind of see how that routine works, because I know we definitely have a lot of folks um, that I've read about and that I've seen that are still working, you know, that have uh, their own children with special needs yeah. and that are educators or that also have their regular job that they're still doing if they're not fortunate enough to work from home. And doing that so that's awesome thank you for that insight of how your day is going and i definitely definitely appreciate the work you're doing um as a parent and as the work you're doing with your students also um to keep them engaged and keep them going with the curriculum and the interactive videos so that's awesome i really appreciate giving us that insight oh yeah it's fun i love it yeah. well and michelle what we'll be um also doing is on our special education page on region 20 site we will um, we're still we will be creating a spot where people can have access to the links um, to your videos and other supporting resources that we have from our different podcasts so um, we will be sure to get that information from you today as we close uh, this episode up and and get that shared on our site as well 
I have the seesaw activities that go along with some of the videos that um, are also shareable. I'm not quite sure. I know that I can create a link, but if somebody needs that, I'd be happy to provide it too. Awesome. We'll definitely get the link up there so they can kind of follow you on YouTube and see what the great things yes. you're doing out there. So cool. Yeah. Michelle, I just think the tips uh, that you've given to us today, uh, just in this short uh, podcast for, for teachers on how to make videos, all of those, like now I find myself wanting to stare <laughs> into the eye of the camera. Uh, but those, uh, those tips, which, uh, which you've learned, you know, throughout your career, I'm sure so many teachers are going to appreciate those. So thank you. Oh yeah, we've got to jump in because uh, we've been thrown in this together and now we got to act like professionals when we're learning it. <laughs> mm -hmm. yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we can't wait to see what comes uh, once we get back to school. We don't know what that's going to look like, but we will continue to keep in touch and see what cool things you're doing as the school year progresses next year. And um, I guess, you know what, we're going to wrap this episode up. I, we really thank you, Michelle and Lisa, for joining us today. And um, we're closing out another episode of Tots to Teens with Sarah and Sam. Thanks so much awesome. for joining us today. All right, guys. Thank and you. And we see you guys later. And everybody be safe. Bye. Bye.